Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I have a question for you. Who is someone in your life who is a great leader whose insight and wisdom you might not be tapping into like you could. The reason I ask that is because our guest today has compiled a book of leadership insight based significantly on his dad's leadership. His dad came to the United States and started a business after being a Holocaust survivor. And it wasn't until later down the road that he began to compile all the wisdom he had picked up over the years. And so the reason I bring this question up to you is because sometimes we are around greatness and we don't realize it as fully as we could until down the road. So think about someone in your life who you may live close to or have easy access to, but do not take advantage of their wisdom and insight that could help you in your leadership journey. Now, our guest today started an organization called Yetta LLC that provides seminars and courses to entrepreneurs and business owners. His mission is to empower leaders and managers through giving them the knowledge to change and helping them implement those changes in their organizations. Before his current job, he was the COO of a $200 million family food and real estate enterprise. He is also the author of two books. The first one is called The Prosperous Leader, How Smart People Achieve Success, and the second second one is called The Ten Commandments of Family Business Succession. Here is Jacob Engel. Jacob, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you, Josh. Good morning. Happy to be here. So I'm going to start off with a few questions to help us to get to know you a little bit better. So you ready for this? Sure. Go ahead. All right. What is some lesson saying or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? I'd probably say the greatest influence um, and, and lessons I've learned is for my dad, I worked with him side by side many years, and it was only in retrospect. And if anybody here you know, in your audience is working with a father, can appreciate it. It's only in retrospect that I was able to look back and and distill some of his quotes and some of his things that impacted me greatly. And I've actually listed them in my book. Just to throw a few, which I continuously come up. One of them, one of his greatest quotes was, he quote his accountant who would say that. Uh, never confuse efforts for results. Hmm. And, and that, that was a great insight and an impact. Uh, the other thing which I've gleaned from him was that know what you stand for and know what you won't stand for. And probably the, the what I think is sort of the cutest one is that everybody can sell a dollar for 99 cents. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is? And this is a quote by some famous uh, leadership guru, but I, I tend to believe that it's it's very, very true. And it, it needs explanation. The first thing is uh, creating the vision or the mission. The second is implementing the vision or the mission. 
And the third, and this one really needs explanation, is breaking the legs of those that don't want to go along with the mission. Hmm. So if you could real quick in just a sentence or two, what is the explanation for that third point? The way I perceive it is that there are always obstacles in every organization, every business. There are always obstacles for things to happen. And they can be for many, many different reasons, not to get into any detail, but it's it's the leader's job to really clear those obstacles, to take away the things that are holding back the people in the organization to implement the, the, the mission and vision of the organization. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or other people? Okay, so the three questions that I highly recommend that people should be asking themselves and people around them. Number one is, what are the things that I'm doing that I should not be doing? And number two is, what are the things that I'm doing that you could be doing better and number three is, what are the things that I'm not doing that I should be doing? And what is a book that you would recommend to leaders? My go-to book, uh, number one, if you're not going to read anything else but this book, is by far The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week to help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Read. Great leaders are great readers. Hmm. I've, I'm self-taught completely. And it's all, I was a poor student, but I was an avid reader. And I believe reading is the number one source and resource for knowledge. And finally, we have our arbitrary but insightful question, which is this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Great question. So I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K, if people have not heard of him. And he he was famous for his TED Talk based upon his book, uh, which is start with the why. And the question I like to ask people and ask myself is, why are you doing what you're doing? What's your purpose? What's your drive? What's your passion? What's your mission? Why is it so important to you? So so Simon Sinek has created a revolution with that question. It's always start with the why. And that helps us transition over to the rest of our interview, focusing on your work and your mission. And it really begs the question, why do you do what you do? You are passionate about helping entrepreneurs and business owners. What was it that brought that about in your life? Yeah, excellent question. I appreciate the question. So I, uh, I belong to an organization called Vistage. Many of your listeners might be familiar with it. It's the largest CEO organization of the world. And I was a Vistage chair in every region. There's what's called a chair I was a Vistage chair. And one of the things that they asked me to do and asked all of the participants to do before becoming a chair was to write a why statement based upon Simon Sinek. And it really required for me to think deep, think hard. Why is this so important? Why do I want, what what impact and why is the impact so important for me? And I believe the answer, and specifically that's what I wrote, was that I learned almost everything either by reading or really working for my dad. He was my hero. He was my coach. He was my mentor. He had built a successful business from the ground up. Uh, he was a Holocaust survivor and came to this country with no money, no family, no language, and built everything from scratch and built a huge enterprise. But specifically, he never lost his authenticity. He never lost his uh, who he was and what he stood for and his principles. Like I quoted before that, you know, uh, what he what he stood for and what he wouldn't stand for. 
And he uh, he passed young. He passed away, unfortunately, very young. He had cancer. And, you know, that left a huge void for me. It, it really did because um, he was such an important figure with such great talent. But um, I really wanted to share his wisdom, his authenticity, his ethics, his integrity with people that you can really be a very successful leader and not sacrifice who you are. You can be a very successful leader, even if you've come out of the hell of the Holocaust and had to start from scratch. You can be a successful leader against all odds. And that mission and that vision is something that I really like to share with others because I think it's very empowering and people are always challenged. There's every person has challenges in their lives. And the idea is really, how do we become resilient to the, how do we stand up to the adversity? How do we overcome our challenges? And those are the things that I really want to share with others, specifically taking along the legacy that I got from my father, because I feel that that made an impact in my life. And I'd like to help others do the same. Now, you mentioned that you started trying to distill some of that knowledge in retrospect. Was it only then that you realized all of the knowledge that your dad had? Or was it just later on that you realized the importance of continuing that legacy? So we grew a business from zero to you know, to hundreds of millions of dollars. And the businesses are still around. And we really had to reinvent ourselves continuously as we went along. But we almost never had the time to stop and say, what were we doing why were we doing what we're doing? And it was only later in retrospect that I was able to connect the dots. But also after his passing, it was really where I felt that I needed to share that legacy. And I also spent a lot of time reading and understanding other leadership principles that are so powerful, that are universal, continuous, regardless where you are and who you are. And it all came together. It was all, it all created this one message that I feel is forever going to stand. And that is, again, you know, the authenticity of people, the message, the, the goal, the objectives, the impact that you want to do. So it's sort of a combination of both things that happened. And is this what the prosperous leader is all about? Is it about distilling not only your, your dad's knowledge, but all of these other great leadership concepts into a single book? Correct. What I've tried to do is other than telling the story of my dad and distilling some of his great lessons, I've tried to distill about 20 plus minus great leadership lessons in each chapter that I feel are very impactful. And I also try and bring it to the level of how can we or anybody take that and implement that in their day-to-day lives, within their organization, within their own lives, their family, and uh, and why they these these twenty-plus leadership messages are so hugely important and will have a tremendous impact on the reader. At the beginning, you shared some of the lessons that were valuable to you from your dad, but. In your book, would you say that there are any lessons, maybe one or two or three, that you feel like would be really valuable for people to to take away from that book? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of great lessons. If, if I've got to take pick two or three, I'd say number one is there's a significant part of the book or there's a, a significant chapter of the book where I talk about I've I've been a big follower and a big fan of positive psychology and Professor Martin Zaligman 
uh, who's written many, many great books. And it's all about the mindset, all about having, creating a positive mindset and why positive mindset is so hugely important and why people have what, what, what's been coined uh, by a famous author, Daniel Amen. It's been called the ants or automatic negative thinking. And people don't realize, and when I do this in seminars and in trainings, people don't realize how we're sort of prescriptive almost to think negative and negative outcomes. And how we can change that, how we can have positive thoughts. And think of it this way, Josh. A person can have, according to science, anywhere between 50 and 70,000 thoughts a day. Now imagine if, if it's true that a person has most of them negative. That really means that 50 to 70,000 times they walk around and knock with a hammer and just bang, bang, bang their head. Negative. You're a failure. You'll never amount to much. Uh, you know, life sucks. Or whatever, you know, whatever negative message we don't realize we're telling ourselves. And that hurts. And positive mindset is not just some fluff thing. Uh, Martin Seligman has done tremendous amount of studies and it's fascinating. Uh, I, I bring some of his studies in my book, but his books are, are really a, a must read. So that would, I would say, you know, positive mindset. I, I had the unbelievable, um, great coincidence of meeting and, and eventually becoming very close friends and eventually becoming my mentor, a fellow by the name of Roy Camerano from San Diego. And he wrote a great book called Entrepreneurial Transitions, going from entrepreneurial genius to visionary leader. And I encapsulate that in a chapter. He wrote a whole book on it. It is a fascinating insight into the transitions of, of entrepreneurs and why some, many of them just don't make it to, to that next level. Great insight. I highly recommend everybody read that. Again, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we have limited time, so I'm encouraging people to either go to my website or to his website or his book or my book. It, it's fascinating insight. Very important. Hugely, hugely important for every entrepreneur to read. And we have your your website in the show notes below. But speaking of transitions from one type of person to another type, from an entrepreneur to a leader, for instance, you also had to go through a lot of transitions in your own life as you went from uh, someone working in your family business all the way up to the COO. So what did that transition look like? Was that something that was natural or was that a difficult learning experience? So that's a really, very, very good question. As I mentioned, the family business, we were in the spice business and I traveled the world for spices and I really enjoyed the, the business. But when I became CEO, I realized I wasn't in the spice business. I was in the people business. And the success of our company was going to be built upon the great people that we can bring in and empower them to run our day to day so that we can become more visionary versus more day to day. And that transition came slowly, uh, but it was something that made a huge impact on the way I ran my business. And really, at the end of the day, I was looking for good, you know, great people to trust and to, uh, to delegate to so they can run the business much better and I can grow into the visionary leadership to the next level. Now, before I go on asking a little bit more about your family business, I have to ask, what was it like traveling the world for spices? Because there, there's a bit of a romance in that phrase, whether or not it actually was in reality or not. But it sounds like a, a really intriguing area of business. It was. It is. It was. 
again, the place, the world was a much safer place uh, years ago. You travel to corners of the world that, that today I don't, I'm not so sure I would travel again to, mm. but I understand that most spices, if not all come from third world countries, they come from jungles, tropical jungles. So, and there are countries that are blessed with, with spices. India, for example, is, is probably the largest producer of spices. Interesting enough, they're the largest consumers of spices. Uh, you know, as anybody who's tasted Indian cuisine will tell you. And it's, it's been fascinating to travel to those, con- to those islands. There are the spice islands. Uh, there's the Amazon. It's been really fascinating to travel to those places and see how they actually collect and sell. It's still the marketplace. Yeah, it's a very, very fascinating part of what I was doing. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think we go to the grocery store, we just see everything that's there, but we don't necessarily think about where they came from or how they got there. Wars have literally been fought over spices before, and today we just kind of go to the grocery store and pick out whatever's there. But when it, when it comes to your family business, you've recently written a, another book called The Ten Commandments of Family Business Succession. What do people need to know about family business succession, and is it different than other types of leadership succession? So uh, the reason why I wrote the book is because uh, 70% of family businesses don't make it to the next generation. And most people are really shocked by that statistic. And I'm not even sure it's getting better. But what I really tried to do was study the 30% who do make it to multiple generations. What were they doing? that allowed them to go from generation to next generation to next generation. And how can we concretize that and and create some sort of a a set of rules or what I would call 10 commandments that would allow people to understand that, yes, you can set yourself up for success. The challenge is that many family businesses just don't think about what would it take in order to create that successful transition. And what are the challenges and what are we doing and how much time do we need to invest in it? So I tried to crystallize it into different multiple steps. And yeah, it is different in many cases. It is different than leadership issues that are prevalent in just regular companies, especially larger companies. I want to bring it back to some of your work with the Prosperous Leader and your courses what are the tools that you offer to entrepreneurs and business owners that could help them in their journey as they are, are leading and working on new things? So in my courses, I introduce something which I think is very important for, for leaders to understand that there are three important steps or three important, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, we'll call them steps. That is, there's, there's something called a mindset a skill set and a tool set. Many people confuse, I see this a lot in companies, many people confuse, they, they're going to bring this or that tool. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to evaluate tools here. And they believe, well, I'm going to introduce this tool and everything is going to work well. And oftentimes it does not is because you really need to start with the mindset. Uh, do we have a positive mindset? Do we have a leadership mindset? Do we have a people mindset? Do we have a customer centric mindset? Uh, I, uh, I think one of the great quotes that I've, I've heard and read and repeated from Herb Kelleher, which was that Southwest Airlines was built upon uh, excellent customer service. Incidentally, we fly airlines, hmm. which I think is so telling that 
the focus, the mindset is how do we go out of our way to make every customer feel welcome and, and happy. Yeah. So mindset is, is hugely important. Evaluating mindset or culture sort of comes together. It's not that simple. And Peter Drucker is famous for saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. And if, you've, if the culture is not created well, then any tool you will introduce, any strategy you introduce, will just not get anywhere. So the mindset of the people, the mindset of the leadership, and then the second part is what skill sets do we need? And primarily today we know that there are hard skills and there are soft skills. And soft skills are to hard skills like software is to hardware. Without software or without soft skills, the hard skills are very hard to really make them work. And uh, it's, it's taken a while for people to understand that soft skills, be it you know, uh, teamwork, uh, whatever soft skills people are aware about, those are usually emotional intelligence. Those are usually important. So the two, the the skill sets, the soft, the soft and the hard, are usually important. And then goes the you know the tool set. So that's the way I like to introduce it in my courses. I, I mention a lot about the mindset, skill set, tool set. And those are three very important steps to understand. Well, Jacob, is there anything that you would like to leave our listeners with today? I know you've just shared these three different aspects to think about when it comes to your leadership and your work as an entrepreneur or business owner. But are there any final thoughts that you would like to leave the listeners with today? Uh, I'd like to leave maybe some insights. Uh, number one, again, great leaders are great readers. I know today we're in the instant communication world. We're not. We don't sit down with books anymore, but there are podcasts. There are, like yours, and thank you, Josh, for inviting me. There are so many multiple ways how people can learn. There's no excuse to continuously build yourself. And every person has to remember, if you're, if you're an employee or senior manager, everybody's their own CEO. Everybody's their own CEO. You're in charge of your own, your own life, of your own course, and your own success. Uh, blaming others it, you know, if you point fingers at, at a person, three fingers point back at you. And what you really need to ask yourself is, what am I not doing? What could I be doing? And if need be, take a coach, if need be, a mentor or combination of both. But really be comfortable with the uncomfortable. The four fatal fears of people are fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the uncomfortable emotions and fear of being wrong. You know, they say that the acronym for fear is uh, false evidence appearing real. Mm. And any growth is only going to be out of the comfort zone, step out of the comfort zone. There's the, the comfort zone, the fear zone, you know, the, 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 the growth zone, and then there's the success zone. And really take charge of your own success. You know, recently, and, and, I'm a, and I, I think the answer is, you know, the Navy SEALs have been recently allowed to share some of their secrets to success, obviously not their secret missions. And if you read some of their books, and I've been reading a lot of them, they, they, they are chock full of great lessons, how they take ownership, really taking ownership of your, your, your life, your success, and no excuses. And th those are some of the important lessons that I would like to share with the, your listeners today. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Could you remind everyone where they can go to learn more about you and the work and the services that you provide? Sure. So my websites are as follows, the, theprosperousleader.com. 
is my book website and prosperous courses are my online course website. And there's a lot of, uh, I've got hundreds of blogs. I've got a lot of podcasts, got my book there. And on the course website, I've just added now the prosperous leader course. And there's a lot of information. I can be reached through the website. There's my contact info and people should feel free to reach out. And I'd be more than happy to, to uh, be in touch and help wherever I can. Well, Jacob, thank you for sharing your insight with us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Jess. There are plenty of things to take from this episode today, and I hope that you have a few that you are taking with you. I want to highlight just three. First of all, the importance of developing a positive mindset. If we have fifty to 70,000 thoughts per day, what is the effect over time if most of those are negative? And then what is the effect over time if most of those are positive? And the truth is those two differences are going to take you in very different directions. So develop a positive mindset. Number two, whatever business you're in, you're also in the people business. And I think that we can easily forget this. Whatever job you're doing, also think about the people that you are working for, the people you're working with. Whatever business you're in, you're in the people business. And finally, Everybody is their own CEO, and I love that idea. You are responsible for your own success. And if you're responsible for your own success, that means you're responsible for getting the right mindset, for getting the right skill set, and for making sure that you have the right tool set. You are your own CEO, so make sure you have what you need so that you can have success in your own life. Once again, thank you for joining the podcast, and make sure to come back on Monday because we're going to be interviewing a coach who uses a Nobel-nominated tool to help you understand how you can be a better leader. Until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. 
If Business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now, or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.